Look who I've got here. As I, as oh, I say, that, Livy. Livy. <laughs> what's going on, Livy? Hi. You How are you? Good. She's still got the beanie on. Are you nervous, Livy? Have you got, your, have you got your just... last word? Have you got your last words ready, Livy? Are they there? No. She's just going to go off the cuff. You know, you know, out of the four of us, you're genuinely the biggest star of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> no one asks questions about us. They just want to know about you. <laughs> Silvani went for it. Aliyah second to it. Chera got it out somehow. Nunes around the body. It's out. It skips past the couple and it'll work for Kerno. He kicked one of the first 30 seconds last week. Does it again this week. Kennedy, who's start of the season has been brilliant. Kerno to Owies. Too far out to score, heads to Mackay. Good hands. Big roar from the Blues fans. This is a tough angle, though, for the hook kick. Normally a bit straighter, but that's the new Harry, and the new hook kick is in vogue. Newman heads to a good spot. Big pack. Martin, great crumb. And an even better finish. Four goal to one start for the Blues. Oh, not the required. And he tried with the out kick and didn't work. Martin steals it back. Rolls it to Mackay. Looks up. He's got Fisher. Tucked into the pocket. Oh, Unbelievable. Wow. Little Fish gets that on the hook. Flicked away by Owies, who comes down to defence to lend a hand. Handball too slick. Robbie Gray inside to Drew. Houston floats it wide, and Rosie... That is beautiful touch by Houston. We know he's got a huge skill set, Connor Rosie. It's not always on show all game, but it's on show there. Game on. He mungles it away. Jonas Bergman the crumb and he slams it long. Robbie Gray one on one. Got oh. it. Freakish. He is a genius in that position. One on one drone. Port Adelaide on the canvas. The referee nearly stopped the fight. And they're two points down. Possession footy for the Blues. Nunes goes forward, Charlie Kerno over the back. Massive grab from Charlie. One-on-one, Alir-Alir held his ground. Heroic, Charlie Kerno. They're not home yet, but they can see the finish line from here. Launches long, but Kai marks, it's over. Colossal. Listen to that roar. They're not just back the blues, they're back to stay.
Welcome everyone to episode 51 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast, part of the Blue Abroad Podcast Network and brought to you by Piota Health and Performance. Is that correct? That is correct. Piota Health and Performance, Dan's personal training company, he's gone through a rebrand, was Proform, now Piota. I actually love it, Dan. I love the new brand. What we're going to do next week, we're going to put together a little ad campaign for the listeners. We've got something in the works. Tune in into episode 52 if you're a listener, and you'll hear all about it next week. How about that? Yeah, good. I'll, we'll get the logo, everything. I felt I feel like, boys, I was Batman in that cave for about four weeks, not being able to unveil the name. Can we talk through why Piotr? Though, is can we get give listeners a little bit of an intel in and around that or not? Not yet, Joe. Next week, save it for let's go into it next week. Let's go into it next week. I'm oh, how's this? I'm already writing the ad campaign for him. How's that? <laughs> I've tried to sign you as operations manager for the company. That's how bad as head of as head of commercial. <laughs> That's how bad it was going, he reckons. That's all right. Well, I tell the listeners how much you're offering for me to come across another week, another win. Another heart attack, boys, and we're four and one, baby. Jules, how are you, man? Good, boys. Good, boys. Um, obviously happy that we got the chocolates, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we've got, um, I think everyone can agree on this, that we've got a lot to work on in terms of um, being consistent. I agree, and it would be remiss of me to continue. All right, after Dan has something to say. Yeah, let's back on to how good Jules is. How's I've come onto the obviously stream yard. Instead of saying, Hey, how are you? He's just shown me outside and in sunny Valencia. Um, Jules, you're over the moon, aren't you, Blake? Oh mate, inspirational sunny Valencia. Can't can't go wrong. Um, obviously, um, you know, I can't wait to get back and all, but the weather here is um pretty spot on at the moment. The only th- how's this? Only thing that beats it is where I'm at. I'm in the wheat Sundays, and uh, I'm happy to say it because I'm as relaxed as it gets, especially after a win. I'm not going to go ahead any further with this pod until we introduce. How, how many? How, I want to. I want to know, Joe. How many games have you missed this year? You're not really stepping up, to be honest. Yeah, without- haven't missed as many as what you have, bloke. So you got nothing to say until you're back in Melbourne. Without any further ado, and this isn't the less to get into it. This is to introduce a very very special guest to the pod, which everyone knows and loves, and it's a pleasure to have her on live for the first time ever. Livy, what is going on? Um, everything's good. <laughs> Happy after a Carlton win? Yeah, it was a lucky win, I've got to say. I Doesn't matter. We yeah, I thought we were going to lose, and... I was getting like really nervous because I'm like Port Adelaide were coming up like with goals from Robbie Gray, but Robbie Gray missed. You couldn't watch, could you? Yeah, Libby? I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch when they got him on. Hey, you weren't you weren't alone, Livy. I was watching through my fingers in the last ten minutes, and yeah. I just had my hands on my head for about a half of football. But we got there in the end. We're going to talk about it a lot. You're going to talk about it a lot this week as well. Um, before we go ahead, I just want to thank the listeners as we do each week. 51 episodes, boys. Um, 
it's a it's a big achievement. Obviously, had episode fifty last week, which was a, a nice little celebration. But if you're an OG, thank you for still tuning in. If you're a new listener, welcome. Um, go follow us on Instagram at Almost Blues Brothers. There's a link tree in our Instagram profile for all your Almost Blues Brothers needs. Links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, as well as all of our social platforms and our email if you want to contact us. Um, if you're listening and you haven't done so already, please hit that five stars. It is greatly appreciated and really does help the podcast out immensely. Um, and you can also subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform right now to get those auto updates for when episodes drop. So make sure you do that. Now, before we get into it, as we always do, Dan, we haven't done this yep. for a while because we haven't had a guest. We haven't, we haven't had a guest for a little while. Dan's quiz. All right, Livy. Yeah. Okay. Question number one: What is your favourite memory as a Carlton supporter so far? I reckon um, Eddie Betts retirement. I mean, it was very sad because he's my favourite player, but I just just memory. Just because you got to enjoy, like he's yeah. yeah. How how could your favourite moment be when he stopped playing? <laughs> Hey, happy about that? I'm not happy about it. I was actually crying. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We all know that you love Eddie Betts. All right, next one. Next one, Dad. All right, if you were on an island on your own, who's two people you want on the, that island? Um, Michael Voss, because he could bump a bear down. <laughs> <laughs> you killed me. I can't. I can't. <laughs> And, um, Michael Voss could take down a bear. That's why. <laughs> and he probably could. He probably could. Who's the other one? Who's the other one? Um, Daniel. How good's that? Yeah, because that wasn't. That was that was planned. That was, was in, that's been embedded for the last how many days you've been there since Thursday since Friday. He's been in your area, hasn't he? Daniel is just entertaining and fun. <laughs> Hey? I think I wouldn't get bored. Who played footy with you all day yesterday? Daniel. See? Livy, how much how much did he pay her to say that? Uh ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> plus the footy cards? Yeah, plus footy cards. <laughs> the footy cards right. got her over the wasn't the money. <laughs> Next one, Dad. So on that same island. Who's two people you don't want on there? Um, Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> she's really boring. She's, <laughs> she's like for, for all the for all the listeners that don't know, Lauren is Dan's partner and he's Livy's sister. So <laughs> yes, the shit end of the stick. Who's this who's the second person, Livy? Uh David Teague. Uh he wouldn't <laughs> win. He couldn't get us a win. <laughs> He couldn't get us the finals, could he, Livy? No. Oh, that's done That's genuinely done me. That's the best quiz. That's good by you. That's genuinely. You coach for Richmond. That is the best quiz I think we've ever had on this show. That is that is gold, Livy. How's that? She'll kick off David Teague. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That is so. I'm crying. I got tears in my eyes. All right. Well done, Livy. Well done, Livy. Good to have you on. 
we're going to get on with it. Preview the show, the running order. As always, we're going to start with the Around the Grounds. We're going to review another nail-biter against Port Adelaide. We're 4-1, and one, and we're going to emphasise that. A lot of positivity today. And then we finish off with a round six preview against Frio next week, which is an, an absolute, probably our biggest test so far. So it's going to be a, a jam-packed show. We've already started with a bang. And without any further ado, let's get into it. Around the grounds. Like we've done this, we've done this show for fifty-one episodes. Oh, you always get like, it wrong. I've still got a prompt the around the grounds. Like it's like start the segment, boys. Jeez, it's going to be better when we're in person because then Jules and I will be able to know who's doing the around the grounds and who's doing the. Let's get into it. On on that note, on that note, for all the listeners, uh, I want to apologise on behalf of all of us because the audio quality isn't great and it hasn't been great for a while. But Jules has been overseas. There's no point setting up the studio with mics and whatnot. Jules is back in how many weeks, Jules? Ten? Yeah, about that. Right about that. Jules back in ten weeks. And I, I'm going to make a promise to everyone listening that the audio quality from when Jules lands back here, or Dan's going to be on holiday, so there might be a, a couple of weeks here and there. But as soon as Jules is back and as soon as the three of us are together, the audio quality is going to go through the roof. And I'll promise that to our listeners. And by that time, I'll be off Dodo and on to Telstra. Internet. Yeah, hopefully. Dan's Dan's still on dial-up at his house. <laughs> First game, Lions, Pies, mass like that, that was a crazy finish. I don't know if you guys Pretty saw it. huh, boys? Like, good Great game. First game to open the round. Um, Colin probably started off well, then it was a bit of an arm wrestle. Brisbane, you know, got a bit of a lead and sort of ran on top over the top in the end, didn't they? Well, they kicked six straight, uh, I think, between the second and third quarters, or it was just in the mm. second quarter alone um, to get that lead back after a quick start from the Pies. And then from there, never gave it up. But um, the Pies showed a bit of fight. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, they're playing a good brand of football. Yeah, but, boys, once again, regular names for Brisbane. Lockie Neal having a blinder again. Joey Danaher, did you see that? I think it was his first or his second from, like, 55, 60 out. Absolute monster of a kick. He's having one, isn't he? Big one. Big he's one. Having year. He's having a good year, boys. So good on him. Obviously, injuries, um, you know, prevented in the last, you know, five, six years. In the last couple of years, he's been able to um, put a few games together and can continue, um, continuity and he's, he's getting there. But, um, yeah, like I said, Brisbane, um, you know, obviously at the start of the year, we thought they were going to be good. And obviously, um, you know, they're doing that. He's equal first in the, in the Coleman. So it's, it's yeah, I mean, when he's up and going, he's a great player to watch. Jordan Degoe, four goals, 20-something touches, 21 touches. He's going to command some money on the open market, boys. He's, I think he's a free agent at the end of this year, and I don't think the Pies can fit him in. Mm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But um, like I said, it's, you know, it's one of those things, you know, has he done it for long enough? Um, you know, will clubs be willing to, you know, to open up the checkbook and put in, you know, probably you know more or less a million dollars into into him a year. It's going to be um, it's going to be a big ask, I think, from clubs. To be honest with you, are you suggesting we go for him, Joey? Not at all. I don't think he fits no, our I club. Agree. 
Agree. He doesn't feel like no. oh, I'll, I'll, no. How about how about the next game, boys? North Bulldogs. What are your thoughts around that? Should um should should North just pull the pin on Good Fridays or just let it yeah. let it run? <clears throat> skip. Yeah, right, we can skip the game, but it's a good question because I think North have every right to keep that game for as long as they want. They fought for it to te- for ten years. We had yeah. Yeah. someone said in the in the media we had the se- we've we've had the season opener against Richmond for how however many years and we've been shit. Um, not it'll turn around. The tables will turn. North will eventually belt the Bulldogs. It'll be a great story when they do. Um, they fought for it. They keep it just like Collingwood and Essendon. Um, you know, play on Anzac Day every single year. So um, yeah, I'm all for it. Agreed. Yeah, they were even saying about Jules Joe. They were even saying about our clash with with the Tigers um, that it was so one sided. And, and now look, we 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 beat them. So. But it all it turns in sport yeah. and in football it turns. So it's just how long. <laughs> the next, the one I really want to skip is the next one because the Eagles are absolutely putrid. Uh, I don't I don't want to talk about this game. This was as boring as it oh, gets. Nowhere, aren't they? Sydney dismantled them. The Eagles never looked likely in this game whatsoever. This was genuinely terrible to watch. Yeah, it was pretty poor. So you watched the next one, didn't you, Libby? Yeah. What game was it? Um, St Kilda versus Gold Coast Suns. What was the score? Eighty-seven to sixty-one. To who? Oh, St Kilda won by twenty-six. What do you think, Libby? Well, um, Suns beat us last week, and the Suns like did really good. Um, they just beat us, and St Kilda came like we beat them in our practice match, but like. They were really good. Um, what's his name? Like Brad. Bradley Hill. Yeah, he did good. He and did. Who kicked the most goals? Who kicked the most goals in that game? Higgins. Higgins kicked five boys. Snags. Mm. Back five. from injury. Yep, five big ones. You know who else is back from injury and having an absolute year? Is Jade Gresham. Two goals yeah, yeah, and twenty-five. Exactly. He is a freak. He's a genuine freak. For those that don't have him in your super coach team. You missed you missed the boat because the guy's dominating. I'm yeah. one of them. How about Max King? What's the news on Max King? I know he was out of the game at, at one point. I heard. Not sure. Not sure yet. No Off news on wait. that. No. See what happens yeah. in the washing up. The next game I absolutely loved because I've got a bit of a soft spot for the Crows these days. I think they they did it hard. Um, to see them beat Richmond on the weekend, to see. As, as much as I, I'm not the biggest Tex Walker fan as a person, but when he's up and running as a footballer, see him kick five big ones and see him back out there on the big stage just doing what he does. They're an exciting side, the Crows, I'll tell you. And the most exciting player in the AFL for me right now as a rookie, Josh Rochelle, this kid is going to oh. be the face of the AFL within five years, boys. Mark my words. Yeah. How good is he? He's oh. a Carlton boy as well. No, oh, don't start getting our hopes up, please. He's a Carlton boy. <laughs> I like Libby, him. get excited, Libby. He is going to... Apparently he trained, trained with us yeah. pre-season as well for a bit before the draft. Uh, he might have. All I know is he's going to get people through those gates at Adelaide Oval for a lot of years, man. A lot of years. I watched, I watched the, the game and in the first quarter... They had a clearance. I think it was Rory Laird got it out of the out of the middle, and they got it straight to. Is it Rochelle? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep, Rochelle. 
Rochelle. Anyway, how clean he was with the disposal with the kick into Tex inside 50. It was effortless. The guy's clean as it gets. He's a, he's going to be a star. But I'll tell you, what, I was having a good year. Ben Keys, boys. Watch him yeah. closely. Yeah, oh, he's, he, he's always so been good. good. The last few years, he's, the, the way he gets in and under and gets and feeds the ball out to the outside players, um, yeah, he's always been good. I just feel like as if now, obviously because Adelaide are doing a little bit better um, in terms of results, he's obviously reaping the rewards in terms of people actually speaking about him. Highest rated player on the ground, again, um, 31 touches. He just, he reminds me, not that he's the same player, but what he does for Adelaide is what George Hewitt does for us. Very similar. Yeah, great. Boys, you talk about, we talk about midfield depth um, and Adelaide's a, a midfield that I feel would would test us or, or, you know, or provide a big show against that. You know, you got, you got Keys, you got Laird, you got Crouch. Sloan, I think, did his ACL though. Gone. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate for him. So hopefully. Very unfortunate because, because Rory Sloan is an absolute warrior for that club. And if that's the end for him, because he is a bit older, I hope it's not. I touch wood. That it's not, because um, I like I like the way he goes about it. He's the same. He's he's a, he's a similar player. He's just in and under, nothing flash. Just does what he needs to do to get his side across the line. It would be a shame if that was the end of his career. I don't think it will be. I think you'll see him back. But um, you're right, Dan. They will test us. We have got him in three weeks, so it's going to be interesting. Um, you could skip this one as well. Jeez, Melbourne. I don't know. They just look like they are on a. They're ahead of the pack. Oh, they're on a different level than everyone else, man. They beat the Giants by 67 points. But they literally did it within, like, not even eight minutes. They kicked six straight or something, or five straight in eight minutes. It was just just a joke. I would say the difference between, like, you know, I don't want to bring up our sort of in terms of the way we play, but, you know, they're very dominant for, you know, a good six to eight minutes um, in a quarter. Um, and obviously you reap the rewards in terms of kicking the goals and putting them on the board. And then after that, this, the game's not in the balance, but they're still in control. But the op- the opposition team doesn't get a run at it in terms of kicking con- um, goals on the bounce. Um, I feel like I said that's where the game's at in general at the moment, boys. Dan, Dan will understand this reference. Melbourne are like the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Agree. They just they just grind teams away until that team gives up, and then they go on with it. They just grind them and grind them and grind them into the ground. The oppo will give up, and they just go on with it. It's a good shout. Very good shout. Um, I love watching Essendon lose. Don't you, do you like watching Essendon lose as much as I do, Livy? I love watching them lose. It's just just fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, Fremantle smashed them. We watched that one, didn't we? Yeah. Fremantle were good, weren't they, Livy? Yeah, they were really good. The what about oh. that full forward Tavner? Tavner. He doesn't he didn't miss. He killed it. Yeah. How many kick? Four? Seven. Seven. What four? Seven, there you go. Seven. Did you watch the game or what? Yeah, we saw it at four. Remember Livy? Yeah. And then I think we had KK and then we got in a food coma. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. Hey, we've got we've got Freo next week. We're gonna talk about him a little bit later, but it worries me. Next week worries me in a big way. Um, and then to finish off Easter Monday today, what an upset! Hawks just Great got game. it done. Over- oh my god, insane game! Another one. It was a, a belter, belter. 
Yeah. There were it was just up and down all day. The Hawks got on a run to start. Cats come back, and then the Hawks fight back over the over the last quarter just to claw back from I think though it was what almost twenty points. I think it was fifteen points at one stage in the last quarter. Clawed it back to win by twelve or something. Just yeah, uh, an absolute belter of an Easter Monday. And this is what I mean by like the North Melbourne thing, right? The Hawks in Geelong, they they've made Easter Monday their own, and they've always made it. An absolute classic, regardless of where either of them sit on the ladder. That will eventually happen with the Good Friday match with North. I promise you. I promise you. They're not going to be bad forever. Yeah. I think you just got to give it time. Boys, I want to ask you quickly a question before we move on to our game. Go. What do you think about this? You're acting as though it's going to be a stupid question, Joe, but it's not. It's regarding what we saw several times and even today with the waving of the hands 50 meter penalty types and i'm sorry i want to know what you boys think because i think it's a joke bin it um you know i i think the waving the hands is a bit too much to be honest with you i think talking back to the umpires um i think it makes it clear Okay. Um, obviously, in terms of giving a 50 meter penalty, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like this is a player's, it's a, it's a difficult one because at the end of the day, you sort of don't want to talk to the umpire because he, you know, they might just give a 50 meter penalty and then it might cost you the game in the moment. But then you're sort of in the right to ask the question as well because you want to know what you, what happened, you know, like, well, so today, Jules, Tom Mitchell and someone else were literally just like addressing the scoreboard. Mm. And they got done for 50. It was, it was James, James Sicily. I don't know, the waving the arms. My dad, my, both of them. Yeah. My dad pointed out the waving the arms thing to me and it, it just baffled me. I don't know. It's gone too far. Um, I'm a fan of the rule within moderation. I think they need to actually change the interpretation of it where they can move maybe half a metre either side. The The point of the matter, the point of the rule was to, to not allow players to go like 10 metres off the mark, right, and cut off the corridor. Give them half a metre, let them move. Like, it's ridiculous to make them stand there like a statue. I think half a metre um, is is enough either side to give them the leeway that they need. And waving the arms, who cares? Like, who cares, honestly? Uh, I don't know why we're penalising teams. And don't bring in a 25-metre penalty. That's not the solution. Change the interpretation. It's not the solution. It, it looks ridiculous when it's paid. It really does. I don't know. I feel like as if because of the interpretation, it, you know, everything's up to interpretation. It gives the uh, the umpires too much leeway in terms of what could happen because everyone sees it differently, particularly when you've got, you know, up to seven, eight umpires on the field. So I feel like as if you sort of need to make it clear cut and black and white for the umpires and for the players. And then it is what it is, you know. Um, And then after a period of time, the players will understand in terms of what you can and can't do. This always happens with every new rule that gets brought in in preseason is that the umpires then don't have a consistent measure to make the decisions. It's like you mentioned, it's just based on interpretation and it's too inconsistent across the board. Um, And it ruins the game and it can decide a game, which is, which for the losing team is, is, you know, you're going to be pissed off. 
you know, and at, at particularly early on the season, you know, it you can say it doesn't mean much, but it sort of does. Particularly, obviously, you know, for example, you know, imagine if there was a decision yesterday in the last in the dying seconds where, you know, Port Adelaide were in front and then they lost the game because of a, an umpiring decision. Do you know what I mean? And then you know, Hinkley potentially could have been you know one and four, but then you know now he's you know obviously now he's zero and five, but you know, potentially there. And then next week, you know, and Pont, you know, in terms of piling on the pressure on him and losing his job or, you know, you sort of obviously early on in the season, you want to bank wins. Um, so then, you know, <laughs> down the track, you know, you know, you sort of can make mistakes and then still make the eight or the top, top four or, you know, you don't want to have, you don't want to make it happen or let it happen in decisive um, games. So let's hope, it does, let's, let's hope it doesn't happen in a final or in a grand final in particular. And you're right, Jules, Port R 0 and 5. And with that, concludes the Around the Grounds because Boyce and Livy, we are about to move on to another Blues win review. All right, to kick off, as always, uh, I'm going to get your thoughts in a minute, but uh, I want to go through the match report. Final scores, and it was... uh, I don't know. I just keep thinking back to that last like six minutes. And my God, I was I was pulling my hair out. I was biting my nails. I couldn't stop. I was that nervous. But final scores, thankfully, no. Oh, well, six minutes in particular. Final Good scores, thank. Final scores, thankfully, 14-10-94. Carlton beat Port Adelaide by three points. 13-13-91. The goals for Port Adelaide: Rosie Butters, Finlayson, Boak with one each. Pal Pepper, Burton, Georgiades with two, and Robbie Gray with three. Didn't he look like he was absolutely going to snatch it for him? Seriously. Um, Carlton, goal scorers, Durden, Silvani, one each. Fisher and Martin, two each. Fisher with potentially goal of the year. Mackay with three. And Charlie Kerno, the saviour, with five. It's good to see Charlie back, man. I'm just going to say that. All right. To start, overall thoughts. The way we're going to break this up today, because it was honestly a game of Jekyll and Hyde. We're going to go first half highlights and then second half lowlights and then the final six minutes of how we were able to grind out the win. But overall thoughts, just overall thoughts on the pattern of the game from from you guys. I don't know. I feel like obviously the first half were powerful, winning the contest, getting the ball inside 50. We had the repeat entries, um, particularly Charlie and Harry, our tall forwards are on top. Um, we did get the ball to the ground um, as well, leading for the, if they didn't mark it and our small forwards went to work. Um, so, you know, if our midfield's on top winning the contested possessions, smooth sailing. Um, again, the ball and clearance inside 450. But then after that, you know, in the second half, um, you know, they get on top and they get their, you know, running game going and move the ball a lot quicker and um, try to go through the corridor a little bit more, um, particularly um, in the second half. And, um, you know, our transition defensively wasn't there. And, you know, obviously they were able to get um, some runs on the board in terms of this, in terms of um, scoring goals. And they particularly missed some as well, um, which sort of gave us an opportunity to, in the last six, six minutes of the game, sort of to run down the clock and, have a few players step up in crucial moments. Yeah, Jules, I think, boys, that first half of footy was probably one of the most dominant performances I've seen us play. Our ball use and the 
and our the movement was just something something it will back weren't we that was the football that we were saying against Richmond you know those quarters of 40 where we were absolutely dominant we did that for two quarters we were clinical like Jules mentioned our interest inside 50 were was spot on and if they weren't then the ball went to ground and dirt and good to have him back but him and always went to work like no tomorrow um and like I said, we'll talk about the second half in more detail. But for me, that was as complete as it gets. You're going into halftime with the monster, monster lead. Um, for me, I didn't see – I didn't with the way we were playing in that first half, I did not see the game turning like it was going to. I honestly thought we we're going to beat them by 80 points plus. For me, I look at it this way. We we have an identity as a football club now, okay? We know what our, our best footy is. We're a contested football side. That's it, plain and simple. That's always going to give us a chance if we show up. We are a contested football side, and when we show up, we see the blistering football that we saw in the first half because we absolutely annihilate teams. We dominate them. Dominate them from the stoppages, wherever it is around the ground, centre bounces or around the ground, doesn't matter, and we we just it, – it's blistering. It is a blistering attack of football. When we don't show up, which is what we saw in the second half, we lose that identity, and it's very clear we don't have a fallback option. However – and this is something I'm going to reiterate throughout, all right, because I know Jules has a very different perspective to what I do on this, but I don't care that we've got things to work on. We're not a side that's ready to contend. That is that is plain and simple to me. We're not. Right now, we're not. We might be by the end of the year. I hope we are, but right now, we're not. I'd rather be learning, though, at four and one than one and four, like we have in previous years, which is why you won't oh, see yeah, any complaints. Yeah. You, won't yeah, see any yeah. complaints. you won't see any complaints from me. I don't care that we fell over the line by three points. Because in previous years, and we've said this this year, we lose that game by three to, three to four goals. Yeah, my, my my thing is obviously four and one. Obviously, I'm ha- more than happy. I think everyone would be. If you asked this me at the start of the season, would you be happy with four or one? No worries, of course you would. Um, but my issue is in terms of the mindset um, of just people in general, where they're happy with um, you know at half time just winning by forty or fifty points, where. You know, at halftime, for me, the game resets. First half, all good and well. But just to win by 40, 50 points at that that stage of the game, when you're thinking in terms of the things, um, you know, you, we need to go on with it. Because that's what we're not teams there. Do. That's, I understand we're not there yet. I understand yeah. we're not there yet. But that's what good teams, and that's that's what the mindset is that they have. That, that That's where they want to be, and that's where we want to go. And that's what we need to do at the of end of course. the day. Of course, and the club has said repeatedly that's that is the football club that we want to become. We want to become the Melbournes of this competition, but it's not going to happen overnight. For me, like I said to you yesterday, Jules, you're going. It should be an eighty point win. We've we've never shown. I, I can't tell me a time where we've ever shown that we can run on with it. We just don't no. do it until until now that we now that we're ticking off these little ones of. Well, team's going to come at us as long as we can hold them off and get the four points and bank those four points, which we've shown that we can do. Tick. Next is, step is, now next is step. winning by is leading by fifty something points and then holding them off. You know, dropping negative fifty saying, odd points. Look, that's not really look, the way you want to go about it either. Look, I'm not saying that's you good enough. Off Jules, I'm not saying that's good really enough. Cool. I'm not saying that's good enough. But I tell you what, we've won half of the games already than we did last year. Plain and simple, after five rounds. So you. I'm not talking off, about the wins. I'm talking about Jules, performance. I know, I know. And we're not. I know. 
I know, and we're not ready to contend as a result of that. I'm not saying it's good enough, but the way that we're going to go about this isn't just a Brisbane where we click overnight and become this powerhouse. That's evident at this point. We've got to tick off these milestones. First milestones are banking wins when teams are coming at us. Because I tell you, we've dropped 50-point leads in the past three years that everyone can remember. I can recall Hawthorne under Bolton in 2016 or whenever it was down in Tassie. We're up by 52 that day. Like, boys, you got to tick these milestones off. And the next step isn't going on with it. The next step is actually just holding a lead. So if you're up by 30 at halftime, win by 30. After that, start winning by 10 goals plus. But you can't do that straight away for me. You just can't. I understand. You have no, to... I have to say something here, Joe, because I actually I understand what you're saying, but I agree with Jules in the fact that of, of this. Yes, okay, we're four and one, okay? Regardless of where you are at, you should not be seeing a 50-point turnaround in a half a footy. I'm sorry, regardless. And I agree. Again, based on, based on if you're obviously being result-based, yeah, we've got the results. But I'm sorry, there is clear flaws that we're seeing from a performance perspective, like Jules mentioned, uh, from a performance uh, of, you know, the game's played in four quarters, there's clear, there's clear things that we need to work on very quickly. Because that's this the bottom is- side. That's the bottom side that other teams have genuinely belted. And we only lost by three points in the end mm-hmm. when we're 50 up playing an unbelievable brand of footy. And you're telling me that a brain snap by all 22 players has then caused us to potentially have lost. If Amon kicks straight, we're gone. We lose. All right. So this is where I want to ask, is it is it before we get into the first half and second half and break it down, is it players or is it coaches? Because we've asked this repeatedly over the 50 episodes that we've done now across two coaching departments. I can't say it's the coaches now. I can't say it's 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 the new game plan or the new structures. That's the playing group. And for me, I look at this as these players have gone through different systems and different structures and different mentalities for the past five, six years where they've been told results don't matter, results don't matter, results don't matter. For me, what matters now is results and results alone. Everything else will come but they are genuinely mentally scarred and you can see it. They are mentally scarred from the past six, seven years where they can't hold a lead. So the next step is to just be able to hold that lead or win, just win, which we're doing, which we're doing. We're not one and four boys and Libby. We're four and one. We're four and one, man. For me, I get what you're saying. And I actually agree with you. It's not good enough to contend, to contend, but it's good enough to keep us in the hunt. We're not chasing anymore. We're building leads early and we're making teams chase us. And more often than not, you're going to win games if you do that. More often than not. I just have a feeling that in terms of the way we do play, um, I think it's, obviously, I think think they're working on it potentially. Um, I think there's flaws in our games on the outside. I think we have, we're very heavy on um, big bodied players. I feel, and I've said this on a consistent basis in terms of who plays on our inside. Um, on the outside, particularly on the wing, um, you know, we don't have wingers that um, with with genuine quality and run um, and kicking ability on a consistent basis. And then obviously through the centre, in terms of the likes of Kennedy, Hewitt, Chera, Walsh, um, well, not so much Walsh, um, but um, Cripps as well. But well, not so much Walsh. I think he has it um, in, in his locker in terms of his run. Um, and his burst, but the other players don't have it, particularly the running ability. Walsh has it, but the other players, the they don't. 
So play him on a wing. I, I, I said it. I, I, I think, think I think you need those players through the middle as well. You need a balance through there. You don't just okay. need big bodies. I think we're still finding our balance in that middle. I think the the main person, if for me, God help us if he gets injured. But if George Hewitt comes out of that side, I'm sorry, we're going to have big issues. Yeah. He does a lot of grunt work that you don't really see. Yep, but Jules, he's a guy that's come from, again, Sydney Swans. Look at where they are now. Winning culture, winning mentality, result-based. He's the one that 10 minutes to go when they – or when did they hit the front? They hit the front. They didn't hit no. the front. They did. No, they never did. Well, they were within three then. Yeah. Two. They were within two. Within two. When that happened, George Hewitt was the guy. Was our man to start going, all right, let's switch on. But he's done that all year. He did that against Richmond. Oh, yeah. we he's so, we he's so consistent. It's not funny. We looked to him. The Hawthorne game is where it stood out to me for the first time proper is where we actually looked to him to get us to, as the fire starter. It wasn't Cripps. It was Hewitt. Go back and watch that game. That's that's a fact. Um, you're right, Dan. I, I agree. I think he is – I'm going to talk about another player that's – one of our most important, but I think Hewitt is actually our most important. We've said it. This is the third time we've said it on this podcast. He's the MVP of this side. He's the most valuable player. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. And I th- I think in terms of, um, you know, obviously hit outs, obviously Pitto going up against obviously a rookie Ruck sort of helped as well. Um, obviously having a more mature Ruckman, obviously, you know, even in terms of going up in terms um, of the opposition of mature Ruck, obviously is going to help. Um, but particularly his body work around the ground and whatnot was um, pivotal. But in, sa- but in saying that, you know, the second half, um, I just think it's our run boys, to be honest. I don't know if it's a fitness thing or it's just our run in general if the players don't have it, you know, like I said before. I think, you know, the likes of, you know, in our reserve stocks, you know, um, like a Carroll, those kinds of players, we need that kind of player to step up and go and run through the middle. I, I think it's clearly evident that we don't have a plan B. No, we don't. We don't. We don't have a plan B. That's plain and simple. That, but what's got us over the line is that we've then gone back to plan A and it's worked out for us. So, again, we turned it on what, with 10 what? to 5 minutes to go. What? We've turned it on and then we've changed the tight. You could see, you could clearly see that with 5, 10 to go, there was a momentum change again. Yeah. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say a momentum change, but you know what we're lucky, boys? Our plan A is a powerful, contested brand of footy. So whenever there is a goal, guess where it goes? Back in the center, and that's where our boys are. That's why yeah, that's yeah. where that's where that's where it is. But what are what's gonna be interesting when the games are in the balance, okay, and there's no no goals in the last five or six minutes, what happens? You know, so this I feel is, like in the contest, we have it, boys, but outside, different story. This is where this is what this is sort of what we touched on earlier, right? Is where, and we'll we'll talk first half, right? So when we're on, we're the best team in the comp, no doubt in my mind. We are when we're on, and it's probably not a brand of football that you can sustain for four quarters, right? It's just being con- a contested beast at the football for four straight quarters. You fatigue, so we've got to work out a way to slow the game and get it back on our terms in a different way, which is what you're saying, Jules. But when we're on, we're on, man, and. Because we because it's one dimensional at the moment, and because we rely so much on the contested ball, if teams work it out, and if teams outwork us like Port Adelaide did after halftime, then we fall. 
There's no second option. There's no there's no plan B to go when the team comes at us and they get over the top of us just purely through work rate and effort because that's all it was and they were getting to the ball first. Where do we go from there? That's what we've got to work up. That's where I see mass. That's what we've got to work out, and that's where I see massive upside. What I do want to say is that first half, like Dan said earlier, is probably the best half of football I can actually ever remember us playing, ever. We were, we were blistering, man, blistering. Hey, at the end of the day, boys, with what we mentioned, it helps that you've got, you know, Charlie and Harry kicking eight goals between them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they couldn't be stopped in that first half. Alir Alir, who has given us nightmares the last two or three times we've played him, we negated him completely through JSOS. I think JSOS was putting blocks on for Harry to get a run at it, and then Alir was just throwing off his game completely, completely in that first half. Harry and Charlie were getting silver service from our midfield from the get-go, and they looked like they looked like a Franklin Roughhead combo, man. Like it just it couldn't be stopped. It couldn't be stopped. And Aaliyah, Aaliyah is no scrub. That Port defence, they're not scrubs. Jonas, Aaliyah, Cleary, Byrne Jones, they're all still good players. We dismantled them. Yeah, agreed. Boys, the other, another moment, or well, actually moments, that were absolutely crucial was our intercept marking in the last five to six minutes. Weeders, oh, stop standing the week. No, no. Weeders, stop got... standing the week. Hold on, hold on. Before we go second half, have we, have we finished with the first? Yeah, we know. We dominated them. There's nothing more oh. to talk about. Go. Drew Jules no. or not? Mate. I was, uh... I was gonna, can, I, can I just build on Jules's point about Pido quickly? Because we're talking about clearance work, right, and being a good contested side. Here's a stat for you. Half time, I think we were plus 14 in the clearances. Plus 14. Last week against Gold Coast for the game, we were minus 14. You need a Ruckman, man. Ruckman Plain win Rock and win your premierships, boys. Pito, need him for 22 games a year at this point because we've got no one else because TDK hasn't shown that he can do it. Go, Dan. Go ahead with it. No, I was talking about the last uh, – I was talking about last five to ten where crucial intercept marks, Lewis Young, Jacob Wiedering, and another name, Newman. Newman yeah. was unbelievable. That last five to ten, he was seriously that those three for me stood up in a big way, and when when we needed them to as well. So I want to give them a, a massive, massive shout out because that was sensational. And then you know even Harry taking that huge mark at the end, like that's that's what they're there for, you know. Um, the man, the the ability to take a mark, particularly a contested mark particularly at intercept mark at any stage of the game is crucial, boys. So crucial. But obviously we have a lot of those players that have the ability to be able to do that, um, you know, in the front half, in the back half. And uh, potentially we've, we're missing, you know, a couple of key outs in terms of the back half, um, in terms of Gov and McDonald. Um, probably more so in terms of Gov um, allowing Weedering to be able to do that um, more often, to be honest with you. Um and in terms of intercept and drive off the halfback, which um, maybe particularly early on in the season, we had a bit more of it um, than now, which is sort of, sort of what I'm trying to say is another element of our game which we can look forward to um, down the track. Wiedering's mark, I can't remember how long there was to go, but he fell hard and he just went for it. 
I think it was kind of going back with the final coming in from the side. Uh, he's done that week after week this year in critical moments. Like he was, he was our standing captain yesterday and congratulations, Jacob Wiedering, mate. Like honestly, because he's for a, a guy that's 24 that has a lot on his shoulders in yesterday's game in those dying minutes where we're, where the back six is under the pump, to stand up like he does in those moments, it, it just astounds me. It astounds me. Livy, what did you think? Um, I think Sam Walsh with 38 touches was really good. Um, first half, I reckon he did amazing. Like He was getting the ball a lot. Um, Jack Martin, um, he did good because his contract, they said, if he doesn't do good, then because he played bad last match, and if he doesn't do good, his contract will like. So he tried really hard. Two goals, two goals, two goals. Um, Charlie Kerno, five goals. You already know Charlie Kerno is going to get a lot of goals. He's a tall player, and I think he's really good. Um, Harry Mackay, three goals. Harry Mackay did good. He missed one bad. He missed one bad. Bad. Did you? Yeah. Real yeah, bad, real wasn't bad. it? What do you what do you think of Harry's kicking, Livy? Do you think he should use the drop pun a lot more? Yeah, he usually snaps it. He usually snaps it. And Even from fifty, yeah. hey Liv, Livy. Yeah. He usually snaps it. He tried to drop punt. Um Hewitt. Who Hewitt? Hear it. He got thirty three touches. Thirty three. Yeah, 33. He did very good. You like him, don't you, Lee? Yeah, third and fourth quarter. I knew, I knew third quarter that, you know, where they're coming, they're coming. And then fourth, I was like really nervous. And I just couldn't watch. Oh, <laughs> be great. Since, since, before we go on with the rest of the review, since Eddie Betts left last year, Livy, who's your favourite player now? Um... I'll have to say Sam Walsh. All right, that's a very good answer. Just stick with the stick with the future Brownlow medalist. It's very good. Um, no, it, it, Libby raises all good points. Uh, there's nothing. I, there's nothing I could say that was wrong. Everyone was very good, very good in that first half, and even in the second half. You're right. George Hewitt did stand up. Dan's Dan loves George Hewitt. He's loved him even before we recruited him. Um, Boys, look, the collapse is, is what it is. They they outworked us, plain and simple. We fell off a cliff again, like we did against the Hawks. We're up by 50 points, and we almost bottled it completely. We just let them have it their way. We went from lowering our eyes in the first half and hitting up targets inside 50, and like eliminating the effect of Alia Alia, to literally bombing it long inside 50, hoping for a mark, and that allowed them to just rebound time and again through the corridor and quickly off turnovers. Seen it. I don't know how many times. The the biggest stat for me, right, if we look at stats, yeah, the one that that stood out to me most at the end of the game, because I looked at the stats at halftime, because in the back of my mind, I went, we're up by 50, but just in case something happens, I want to know what's going to go wrong, right? I didn't even think I didn't even think it was going to get to what it got to at that point. But at halftime, our efficiency inside 50 was 75%. Shots at goal, 75%. Scores based on shots at goal. At the end of the game, it was 52. Now, 52 is still well above the average. However, that's a massive drop-off, and that just shows that just shows the level of effort and concentration 
in our ball movement and the way that we're going about it, how quickly and how badly that dropped off. That's a 23% drop-off, boys, in terms of how we were going about it in the first half. What worries me is you're not going to have four quarters of what we saw in the first half. It's impossible. Uh, uh, well, Melbourne, Melbourne don't even do it. Honestly, boys, they don't. What worries me is that when the game's not played on our ter- on our terms, you know, are we always going to see these swings? And, yeah. and it's concerning. It really is. For me, the difference is in terms of the way we're getting the ball in the first half, I have a feeling we're getting in there a lot quicker to one-on-ones. Where in the second half, if you have a look, in, obviously you're going in terms of percentages. The way it was it was happening, they got in top in, in terms of the clearances. And it's not – it wasn't in terms of they didn't get close to us. Uh, but they, they were on top of us. They were better in the second half in and around the contest. And um, we weren't getting the ball in there into one-on-ones. We weren't getting in, in there deep enough, um, you know. So it was just, for me, it was the contest. And then if we don't win the ball inside the contest, then we have issues. So in terms of our ball movement, so, um, and particularly from D50 as well, our, our ball movement from D50 isn't isn't great on a consistent basis either. So, um, yeah, there's a few things, obviously, like we said, that we need to work on there. Yeah, you're right. But like I said, you know, as much as we dropped off and as scary as it was and as scary as it is to see it happen within twice within the space of three weeks, we still got the job done. Still got it done. And not great teams, but good teams, that's what they do. They find a way to win even when it all goes against them and it all goes to shit in the end, boys. And we're 4-1. and one. For me, we're banking wins early. If we make mistakes later in the year where we drop a couple of these games, doesn't matter. We're already in the finals hunt and we haven't been in this position for a long time. And these 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 wins, right, these drop-offs, they're going to hold us in very good stead going forward as well. Not just from learning from what we did wrong, but we'll inevitably, we, we will inevitably be in a position where we're in a final at some stage and we're up by 30 and a team starts to come at us and put the pressure on. We will learn, we will learn as a football club and this team will learn, this group of players will learn how to slow the game down and get it back on their terms a lot quicker. Because right now, it's taken way too long. I want I want to uh, – just a couple of players. Livy mentioned one, and she mentioned him a lot. Jack Martin. Last week, I want to say one thing. A lot of people – a lot of people last week wrote off Jack Martin one game back after COVID. And we sat here and we said, nah, he needs continuity. You can't do that. You can't drop good players of one game, especially when they come back from injury or they don't have continuity under their belt. That is why you don't drop players that haven't had a chance at getting continuity or haven't had a chance at getting a run at it. Agree 100%. He was fantastic. He he couldn't he didn't, he couldn't put a foot wrong at all. And he was the he was the difference. Everything he did was clean. It was the Jack Martin that we know of what he can produce. Um, and I think we just got to get him, give him, get him games, get games under his belt. Let's get him going. Let's get the Jack Martin that we know and what he can produce on a consistent basis. And you'll be seeing that a lot more in spades, boys. So um, for me, he's, I think he, off, off half forward, that's that's the guy there that we're missing. Yeah, particularly obviously in terms of him and even Fisher as well. Fisher, um, particularly in that game, um, obviously hasn't been as impactful over the course of the season. He's been um, in terms of a consistent basis, but obviously in patches, particularly um, in the first half, um, 
even Fisher in the second half, he ran through the middle as well and got a few clearances and whatnot too, um, which what we needed in that, that point in time as well. Um, but those two players, they have that bit of X factor in and around the goals and obviously through through the middle um, that can change sort of the dynamic you know, the dynamic. Um, so, yeah, I have a feeling, you know, they're going to get better and better as well. Just, uh, Joe, I don't, actually don't even know if this is on your list of players to talk about, but can we talk about one more? Might be random. Will Setterfield, the guy is a machine. And if I hear anyone talk badly about this guy, I'll literally lose my mind at him because he's tackling pressure and his work rate is phenomenal phenomenal in that wing in that on that wing the guy seriously some of the tackles that he laid and the intent it's all we talk about boys he's got it and i think boss for you know you look at the players that were dropped and for wool setterfield to hold his spot in our in that side it says a lot about how much boss rates him and how well he's performing as well so uh, he's another guy that goes under the radar but does those little things that make a difference Oh, he's, I agree. His work rate is sensational. He runs all game. It's what he built that breakout season off was his ability to just keep going and keep going, keep going as an inside mid. He's got, he's got a lot to work on as a winger, but give him time. I think that's his spot. I think he can hold that spot. I think he can turn into a winger for us eventually um, because you're right, Dan. He just runs all day. Runs all day. He tackles. Like, you know, when the ball's on the outside and you need someone to just hold it. I saw him three times, three times in that Port Adelaide game where he just pressed a player, just pressed them on a wing into a position, a Port Adelaide player into a position where they had to stop. And when you've got run on the outside, you need a player that can just delay. Yeah. You get that in soccer as well, where you need like your last defender to be able to delay a two on one or whatever it is. It's the same situation. Will Setterfield does that every week, every single and week he delays I, play for us. I have, he's got a, you can tell he's a smart footballer. My only issue um I have no issues in terms of his work rate, in terms of his defensive ability, or anything like that. Um, I've just, just in terms of his ball use, I think his, his skill by foot needs to improve, um, particularly in game um, situations, particularly on the break, on the on the lead and stuff like that. He's not too, you know, once he's marked it, he's all right with ball in hand from there. But when he's on the run, you know, and going inside 450, I think his ball use there can be um, improved. Uh, but I think that's in terms of his aspect of the game and obviously receiving the ball a lot more in, in um, more um, positions on the ground where he can actually make an impact as well. Agree, Jules. But as we say, like, where he lacks, it's like when we speak about O'Brien, we said it feel where he lacks with that ball use, for example, say inside 50, we gain in his work rate and his, and his tackling pressure, for example. But then other players, e.g., your Walsh, your, your Cherit, like the good ball users of our side, they make up for Setterfield's like. But I understand what you're saying where, all right, well, that's an area that he needs to improve. But the balance of what he offers. Oh, like, yeah, 100%. His, his inability to hit targets on occasion out like doesn't outweigh how good he is, uh, you know, yes. with what he offers us as a balance. I've got, I've got the perfect example for this, yeah, where uh, – where, a player has been able to do this transition from being a mid and an inside mid with grunt work into a really good winger man, Angus Brayshaw. Yeah. Took him years. To, took to him me. years. Took him years. And to be fair, his disposal's good. It's very good. But at times it's 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 not great. Just being an inside mid, that's that's probably what, talk, what you're going to get from him at times. What he does do, though, is he impacts in moments as a winger. Did in the grand final. 
takes marks, intercepts, does what he needs to do as a winger and runs all day. Setterfield can be that player. Yeah. Not He may not reach the heights of Brayshaw, but he can be that player. 100%. And if you have a look at the likes of, of, of Melbourne, who do they have on the other wing? Langdon. Langdon. You have Langdon, who's that more powerful runner, runs all day, has a better um, foot um, in terms of leg, by, um, in terms of getting the ball inside 450 deep and hitting players on the lead. And then the other um, wing, they have more of a defensive player, you know, so um, in Angus Brayshaw. So in terms of the balance of the team, it works. Um, and I have no doubt in terms of the way we're trying to play, it's very similar. Okay, um, but obviously we need to find that other player, and I don't know if we have that yet. I think O'Brien can be, um, but in terms of his consistency, it's just not there. You mentioned you mentioned Zach Fisher real quickly before Jules, and I just want to touch on him before we get to the votes here. He needs a special mention because I thought that was genuinely Zach Fisher's best game for the club. I think that I, this hasn't been spoken about enough. I think he's stiff to miss out in my votes. I can't remember Zach Fisher having more impact in a game than what he did yesterday. All game and like that from start well, to finish. Yeah, Twenty-two touches, two goals. <laughs> that's what I mean. But he—that's—that's that's what we need from him. And he could be. You were speaking about that player before that can give some outside run and whatnot from stoppages. He did that late in the game. Okay, he did that late in the game. Got us propelling forward inside fifty. But all game, all game, Zach Fisher was where he needed to be, and he was just there at the contest. If we needed a quick handball out and someone to drive us forward, he was there. If we needed someone inside forward fifty to kick a goal of the year, on the run. From the boundary in the pocket, he was there and he did it. Like genuinely, a really, really good game from Zach. Really good. I'm going to hate me, Joe, but I do recall you end of last season saying you want him gone. I didn't say I wanted him gone. I said I wanted to see more from him because was... I hadn't seen it yet. No, 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 no. That were the words gone. That were no. the words. Your favourite player, Zach Fisher, Dan, I want him gone. Gone from the 22 or gone from the club? Club, trade. Club. Yeah, you put him on the table. Yeah, yeah okay. he, well, he had He had some trade, though, and you can see why. Because he just he's just done what he's done. He's just done what he's done, and he's shown what he's done against Port. Two goals and 22 touches. If we get if we get 20 touches and a goal from Fish every week, knowing that he's, his disposal, as it, it, you get value for, for disposal out of him, no issue. But he wasn't giving us that last year, Dan, and I don't care what anyone says. He wasn't. He's got to do this consistently, mate. I wanted to give him props. I thought it, that was one of his best games for the club, if not the best. All right. Long review. Got there in the end. Votes. Livy, kick us off. Um, Three votes, Sam Walsh. Yep. Two votes, Jack Martin. Yep. One vote, Charlie Kerno. Stock. Love it. Love it. It's good, Livy. And that counts towards our votes, Livy. So it's good you took it seriously and didn't put Eddie Betts in there three times. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> Jules. Um, I've got Hewitt, three votes. I just think in terms of consistency throughout the whole course of the game and obviously the course of the season – um, and obviously in the third and fourth, he sort of stood up. Um, so he deserves the three votes. Um, ben Walsh, obviously, you know, in terms of the way he played, particularly in the first half, um, I think he had, what, 15 touches inside the first two, three minutes of the game. Um, something, <laughs> ridiculous, something ridiculous. 15, 
15 touches in two, three minutes. Yeah, 15 touches in four minutes. He had like eight touches inside the first five minutes. Though. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then my um, one vote goes to Charlie Kerno. Obviously, five goals, um, you know, key forward, very dominant. Um, and um, probably kicked the most crucial goal of the game. Well, obviously, the most crucial goal of the game as well. So, um, yeah. Dan? I went Charlie three. I thought his game was phenomenal. You've obviously spoke about him a lot today, but when we needed someone to, and he's done it, he's done it several times this season. But he's back, boys, back in the biggest way possible, and in moments where we need him, he's enormous, if not the most impactful person in our side at the moment. I'm going to make a statement. He's not back. He's better. Yeah. Yeah. You like that he's one, don't you? Yeah. Oh, the thing is with Charlie at the moment, I think he's better in terms of output. I don't think we've seen some brilliance like we did three, four years ago. Yeah, Does that make I'll sense? Be- but I don't, I don't care, to be honest with you. You know what, Jules? I don't need brilliant. I don't need brilliance from him. I need what he's done against the dogs, and I need what he did against Port. And that's when it when the game's on the line and the game's there to be won. I need the ball in his hands in our forward fifty, man. Correct. I need I need what he does where he's one out in the goal square and he just brushes aside that that defender like they're made of paper. Yeah, agree. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, he's the he's the player. He's the player. He's, he's the player that you want to empty, empty the 454. He always was. And I'm, it makes me smile that he's back, man. It makes me smile. Dan, keep going. Two, Walshy. Um, we, a couple of weeks ago, Joe, you and I actually, when we went to the game, were saying, oh, he doesn't look right. Nah, he's right. <laughs> Just took him he's a couple of weeks. How's this? How's this? We said he didn't look right. He had 34 that day, just by the way. <laughs> like, has he had under 30 yet? No. no I think so. George, Jules, me and Joe are like, oh, do you reckon he's like hobbling a bit? I'm like, oh, hopefully he comes good. Hopefully he's not bad. The guy's the guy's fine, man. We looked at the <laughs> stat sheet. We looked at the stat sheet at the end of the game. He was at the end of the game, he was top of the list. <laughs> and then um one I've got Livy's just Livy's just Livy's, Livy's just handed me a Charlie Kerno footy card that she's collected. She's amazing. Um, uh, George Hewitt, one vote. Spoke about him. He's my favourite player at the moment, boys. Yeah, at length we spoke about him. This is the first week Hewitt's been in our votes, just by the way. And I don't know how that's possible because he's really? had a yeah, yep, first week that we've had him in the votes. I'm going to give a few honourable mentions before I go with mine. Mark Pitnett. Jacob Wiedering, Zach Williams, Jack Silvani, Harry Mackay. Yeah, I said Zach Williams, and I'm seeing it now. Jules, after last week, he did it again. He rebounded for us. He penetrated. Didn't turn the ball over as much, and the inside 50 use was much better in the first half. So Another thing, too, particularly one-on-one, I know Gray got a better him a couple of times, um, but even one-on-one, boys, he was good. One-on-one, he's been good all year. He did it against Dusty in round one, and I can't fault him for his one-on-one contested work. I think he's fine as a lockdown defender if we need him to be. Dan, staying quiet on this one this week. I don't want to get into another argument. Harry Mackay the other one. That's my honourable mention, the other big one. He went missing a little bit in the second half, but that first half couldn't be stopped. Dominant. Like, genuinely, monster. 
in the first half. He was an absolute monster in yeah. the first half of that game. That was scary to see what he was it's doing. It's for a key forward to go missing, though, when your midfield goes missing for the second half. I, I agree. I agree, which is why he has to get an honourable mention because if our mids had gone on with it, he could kick seven or eight the way he was going. It was insane. Insane to see what he was doing to Aaliyah. Um, But my votes, I gave one to George Hewitt. I gave two to Charlie Curnow, kicking five. Has to be in the votes. And three, Sammy Walsh, 38 touches. Welcome back, son. Good to have you back. That's it, boys, for the round five review. Now, Livy, do you have a last word or have you pretty much said it? Well, I've got a bit to say about next game. She wants to talk about the the game. All right, round five review. Done and dusted. Round six preview. Round six preview against Frio. Libby should host the show. All right, if you want. They've wanted, they've wanted me off this they've, they've wanted me off this show for a long time, Libby. So if you want to take over, you can take over. I think we have to watch out for um, Andrew Bash <laughs> and Caleb Sarong. Yeah, I, I love it. Really good against um, Essendon. Um, yeah, I agree, Libby. Our defence has to be good against um, Matt Tab- Tabernard. Um, I reckon we should put Jack Breeder in on him. 100%. And he usually... Yeah. Jacob Wiedering usually does a very good job on that tabernacle. And um, Frio is really good at getting like up in the forward. So yeah. <laughs> All right, that it's a hey, it's a good intro. Good intro to the preview. It's actually better than listening to us try and waffle through a preview every week, which is genuinely what we do. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had structure to a preview. How's that? David yeah, Chan, yeah. round six, second against sixth, Fremantle versus Carlton at Optus Stadium, 7.40 p.m. Saturday, the 23rd of April. Anzac Day round. Any memories? Livy, we're going we're gonna to go into some the key matchups that you just mentioned there in a minute. Have you got any memories against Frio? We usually go through some memories before we start. When Newman kicked the goal after the siren. Nunes? Yeah. Jack Nunes? Yeah. And I like when Eddie Best came up with him. <laughs> that gave him a bit of a kiss on the cheek. We did. Did yeah. you did you go did you go crazy like the rest of us that night, Livy? In lockdown? Definitely. I was so excited. Amazing. Do you remember we old enough to remember Mark Murphy's banana from the year prior? Yeah. You remember the goal from Martin Murphy? Were Casbolt just done one of these ones? Oh, I remember yeah. that. You remember that? Hey, we've got good memories against this mob. Walsh last year with the clincher from the boundary. There, I was there that night last year. It was, I think it was something like 11 degrees. It was freezing at the G. There were like... 15,000 people have rocked up. Barely anyone rocked up. Too cold. When Walsh kicked that goal, it sounded like there were 60,000 people at the MCG, man. Place erupted. Yeah. I've got a real niche one. I don't know if you boys remember this. How's this? I like to bring these ones in. All right? Do you remember 
when Liam Jones sealed a win for us against Freo? No. Nah. <laughs> under, under Brendan Bolton? <laughs> I definitely don't. <laughs> it was I, I've erased all those memories, Joe. I'm sure it was Jones. It was in Perth. I reckon it was 2015, maybe 26. No, it would have been 2016. Murphy was wearing the helmet. Remember when Murph wore the helmet for like four games? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jones clinched it for us that day. We won by like five points or something. Go back and have a look. Go back and have a look. Um, this is our toughest test yet in Perth. Three hours second on the table. They haven't played anyone of real significance yet. We're probably the toughest side they've come up against in all fairness based on ladder position, but they haven't put a foot wrong. Their percentage is 140. They belt teams when they get on a run, and they belt the teams that they should be belting. Us, on the other hand, percentage of 101 or whatever it is, 102, tells a very different story. We're just scraping over the line. This is a big test, boys. Massive test. Whether they're our bunny or not, I don't think it matters this week because we're going to seriously, seriously be tested against this mob. Yeah. I First key matchup. Sean Darcy against Mark Pitnett. Boys, Sean Darcy put on a clinic yesterday. Um, that's a player, that's a he's a gun, absolute gun. I'm very interested to see how Pitto goes um against him. Uh, and I think Freo are a side. This isn't the Freo that we've seen in previous years. They're they're a very, very, very good football side, in my opinion. Um, the way they move the ball. They're, I think they're very similar to us. Very contested. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I think the thing is with us, I think we have, in terms of contested, I think we've got them in that area if we bring it for a lot of the game, if we want to bring it in terms of, because I think we have the bigger bodies, boys, particularly if Cripps comes back in. My thing is, I think they're, they're more explosive around the contest in terms of getting out of traffic. That's where I think, because they're more young and youthful and that they have runners. Um, I think that's that's the main difference. If they can, if they get first use um, and get the ball out of the first, you know, you know, the metre or two metres around the contest and get it, get it to the outside, I think that's where we're going to have issues. I think you're right about Darcy, Dan. Pito, I think if he, if he goes it alone all day, he's going to struggle. Do we run with... Three rucks because you got Rory Lobb the pinch hits as well, right? So you're gonna have Lobb and Darcy, and based on this week, it'll be Jay Sauce and Pitto. Do we bring TDK back in to pinch no. it and go three on two? No. This is me saying it because I, I love TDK, but I, I don't think I think we stick with Pitto and Jay Sauce. I think they can do a job. Jay Sauce is, is shown he's more than capable, more than capable. Um. Yeah, Another matter. Jay Sauce competes. Yeah. Particularly around the ground, he's able to be that extra, that fourth midfielder as well, which I think helps in um, certain situations too. Um, so I feel like as if in terms of that, I think it's more than more than handy enough to be able to do it. Like Jack Silvani can't be underrated anymore, just by the way. He can't. He can play anywhere and he'll be effective. Like, he's an absolute star. Not, And I'm I not think, saying this. I don't think for Carlton supporters he ever was. This is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about Carlton Sports. I'm talking about the AFL world, bloke. He's a yeah. star for this club, but he's a genuine – you could put him in any side and he'll be just as effective as a footballer. Any side would have Jack Silvani in their team right now. Um, the other key matchup, it's one that you don't really think about too much, but he can impact. And it's a, it's a matchup that I reckon we've struggled with across the years. 
and it's like an impactful forward, like a general forward, small forward type. Michael Frederick. Michael Frederick. I don't know if we've got someone that can go with him. Zach Williams. Well, yeah, it's not going to be Plowman. Plowman, what you won't see Plowman back in his. No, I don't think I Parks. See. I don't I think Parks him. has the. I don't think Parks has the closing speed. I don't think it'll be Stocker. I think Stocker comes back in, but it won't be him. I think you're right. New York Zach Williams. Yeah, Probably I see. Zach. I see Zach Williams going to him, and then Walters. I see and Newman or Parks. It's not Walters. That's the other one you got to worry about. He's it looks like he's done. I say that, and he'll probably come out and kick five against us. But Lockie Schultz is the other one they are going to match up on, and I reckon that's a stocker type matchup. He didn't play. Schultz didn't nah. play. Injured. He didn't play, Joe. All right. Well, if he's back, then we got to we got to match up on him. I didn't realize. Oh, Manfield in. Okay. <laughs> well, keep an eye on on Schultz's health because uh, I'm telling you, if he plays, he, he, he can be a problem, massive problem. And regardless, they've got a very versatile forward line with Tabana Lobb, uh, Switkowski, Friedrich, and then, you know, Sean Darcy heads up there as well. And this is to, and this is to Jules's point. It's probably why we've got to make sure we're on top of our contested game all, all day because if we're not, they're going to get easy run inside that forward 50. I reckon our defender is going to be under the pump. Under the pump massively. Ins and outs. Who have we got? Outs. Start with the outs first. Um, well, I think, well, it just depends on Cripper, in my opinion. Yeah. If Cripper comes back in, I think Nunes will go. Because I think we can sort of cater for him in terms of Setterfield um, and Cheran Walsh going more on the outside as well um, when that does happen. And then maybe Fisher as well going a wing at some stages. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think in terms of that, that, that will probably happen. But anyone else, I don't think we'll have any more changes, to be honest, boys. I don't think Stocker will come back in. Surely he has to at this point. I don't think he'll come back in. What about Cottrell? Um, I think he stays. Did enough? Yeah, I, I don't think you can, you know, take, you know, a player out of, after one game. And I, I don't think he was that bad. I think, I think, um, you know, he had a few one-on-one duels. There was one duel he had with um, Boke, where one-on-one um, tested Mark, which he took, which was, um, which was crucial late on in the game. Um, I think ball use, obviously, he could be, he could be better, but he wasn't that bad um, Does- compared, compared to previous times as well. So I think he stays. Does Cottrell not go Medisub and then Cripper comes in? Yeah, but then Nunes, we're, we're saying Nunes is dropped as well. Oh, yeah. oh okay. I, I think if Stocker's ready, Stocker's got to come in, man. I'm sorry. Uh, how how did he go on the weekend? He got three. This is the third straight week that he's gotten through and, and played well. well that, the reserves lost, but by all, by all reports, Stocker was still doing what Stocker does off the half back line. We're screaming out. We're screaming out for more depth in, in our defensive back six or back seven, back eight, whatever you want to call it. He's there, man. You got to give him a go. Mm. Right, I don't know. Me, for me, for me, it's for me. It could be Nunes and Cottrell for Cripps and Stocker. Maybe Parks if McDonald's ready and you play McDonald, Young, and and Weeders. I don't know. I don't it's know. Hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't. I don't. I think Parks did well. I couldn't. You know, I, I think he did too. I don't think Parks played bad to merit getting dropped, regardless if McDonald's back. 
I tend to, I actually tend to agree. We've got selection headaches, which is a good thing. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. To finish off, match predictions. Livy, how much are we win by? If we win, um, I think we'll win by a goal. Do you think we'll win? Do you think we'll win? Um, yeah, I think we'll win. <laughs> Dan? I mean, could win. They're good. They're a good yeah, side. They're a good side, so. They're, they're a very yes, good yeah. side. I'm scared. Dan? I think we'll win by 16. I think we'll win by 13. Well, it's the first time I'm doing this this year. Is a loss. I'm being realistic. Wow. This is a loss. I think this is going to be a bit of a wake-up call. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even want to say by how much, but this is a loss. I hate finishing on a bad note like that, but I can't see it going any other way, the way that we played in that second half against Port. I just can't. Unless this is the game where we put it all together – because that game will happen eventually. Unless this is the game where we put it all together, I can't see it going any other way. Uh, look, we're going to lose games. We're going to lose games, unfortunately. Like I said, we're not a, a, a contender yet that we just go out and go, how much we win by this week? I think this is a loss, really. Are we not playing like a contender? No, we're not. In patches. In but we're not. Halves. Contenders don't play in patches. Livy, it was absolutely sensational having you on today. Thank you. I love you, Livy. And and from all our listeners and from us, everyone absolutely loves you. So keep doing what you do for this podcast because you're a very, very big part of it. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Can you give us a go? Can you give us a, a big go, Blues, to finish off the episode, Livy? Go, the Blues! <laughs>